And tonight on the program, we want to talk about a subject that, well, we might take for granted. Jake, we want to talk about the church and what the church really is. Everybody talks about church. It's all over the place. Going to church, been to church, you ought to see my church. Look at that church. But, again, as you suggested, maybe it's a, an expression we take for granted. What what does the word mean and what do we? what is the church really? That's what we want to talk about right, tonight. We're going to go to the scriptures and look at what the church is by the biblical definition, maybe not the current definition. Hope you'll stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study starts now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday june 1st 2017 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad Jacob, great to be with you Glad tonight. to have you with us tonight. And Kyle's behind the board. Kyle, welcome to the program tonight. It's good to be here. Thank good you Good to for have me. you here. And uh, look forward to hearing from, from you, Kyle, but our listeners especially, at 877-381-4567 is toll-free. The line is open now. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use if you'd like to compose an email. You can use that email address anytime, by the way. We welcome your comments at any time, regardless of when you're listening to this. If you're listening to it in the podcast version and you have questions or comments about something you've heard, questions at collegeu.com. We'd love to have a discussion with you, regardless of when. You may be listening uh, to the program. And if you're listening to us live tonight, uh, the video feeds uh, at YouTube, uh, Facebook, and our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can uh, use the chat rooms at uh, sites and comment with other listeners, and we can include your comments in the program tonight. 877-381-4567. And I uh, would like you to know that if you would send us an email to questions at collegeview.com with your snail mail address, we can get you a bumper sticker that you can use to help advertise the program to those who may see your car in traffic. And we've got a special service coming up here. Yeah. Uh, also, use that email to request to get to our on our update list. Yeah, you want to be on questions that. at collegeview.com. Yeah. Just send us an email. Say, put me on your list. We'll send get you on our e- email update list. Uh, yeah, next Friday, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow night, Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have a special event here at the College View Church of Christ. Uh, it's like a gospel meeting, but the very special emphasis of this uh, is on our singing. Uh, congregational singing, song leading. Why is it important? How to do it effectively? Exactly right. Scott Wyatt, who is, uh, I don't know Scott. Some of our members do know him. I know he's well known, uh, among other Christians, a very accomplished singer and, and uh, song leader. And he's going to be conducting the weekend, uh, for us next weekend, Friday night at seven. Saturday morning, if you're a song leader in the Middle Tennessee area and you'd like some special instruction on song leading, going to be a special meeting for those who are song leaders on Saturday morning at 9. Then this is an unusual time. Another meeting at 5 o'clock Saturday evening. Uh, again, congregational singing, congregational singing instruction. Uh, 
Then it'll be our regular times Sunday morning, a couple lessons. Scott Wilde will bring us two lessons at 9.30 and 10.30. And then at 2.30 on Sunday afternoon, another period of congregational singing and instruction. All right. We'll look forward to uh, you joining us if you can. If you need more in- information, you need directions, questions at collegeu.com or the virtual Bible study. Dot com are the ways you can get more information. All right, on to the program tonight and the topic at hand. Uh, the church, as you mentioned earlier, we hear it in common language all the time. What church you go to, what church you're a member of. Uh, did you go to church on Sunday? Uh, well, you used to see it on on trucks going down the highway. Attend the church of your choice this Sunday. Uh, so it's a commonly used term in our language. But uh, what is the church really, and what do we learn from the scriptures about it? Yeah, that's what we want to talk about in our in our study tonight. And actually, this this question was asked by a fellow who's been listening to us for quite a long while up in the Chicago area. Uh, Mohan uh, asked about what is the church really. Uh, I got a recent uh, just tonight. I got another email from Mohan who who suggests that he's really come to some understanding about that. But he had asked this question, and we thought it'd be a worthy thing to discuss. Yes. What is the church? Yes. Uh, what is it really? Maybe as opposed to what men sometimes suggest it is. And so, to our update list earlier today, again, get on that list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview dot com. Say put me on the list. But also check our Facebook page because we're putting the same update on our Facebook page. All right. Yeah. You and might uh, like our page so it shows up in your feed. I think is how that works. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. And so this is the update. Is that, that how it works, that. Kyle? <laughs> That's it. You can actually uh, even whenever we go live, you can actually notif- click it. So every time we live, you can get a notification that we're live. That's oh, that's sweet. It is. sweet. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know right. that either. Yeah. I didn't know that either. That's cool. All right. So here's the questions we sent out. Number one, what is the etymology of the English word church? Mm-hmm. Number two, what can we learn from the church being identified as the body of Christ? Number three, explain how the word church is used in both a universal and local sense. And number four, how would one identify the true church in the midst of so many various religious organizations in the world today? All right. Excellent questions for our consideration tonight, and we'll make a good framework for an important discussion. Again, we'd like to hear from you. Send in your comments in the chat room if you're watching us live, and we'd want to hear from you tonight. All right. All right. We got Before we get started, the, the, the church is under attack in our society. Yeah. There are even people who suggest... That it's un, uh, unimportant, non, non-essential. Yeah. That that you could very well please God, be be saved, go to heaven, and and not be a part of any church or attend church or do anything about church. You remember about five years ago there was a very popular rap song. I think it was a rap song. I, I love Jesus, but I hate religion. Yeah, we actually did a didn't we did a, a, well, we did a program, a program on that. On that. Yeah. But it, but that 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 it was so popular because it's uh, the, the the rap song or the song was because the concept in our society is so popular that, that that the church is just a bad thing. There's a lot of people. If we were to go out on the streets of our immediate community, or you listeners wherever you are, if you were to ask me, the majority of people would you would, would say, oh yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. Uh, and if you asked them, are you a Christian? They would say, yes, I'm a Christian. Where do you attend church services? Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. I think that a significant percentage, potentially even a majority of people, would be in that category. And so they are, whether they've really thought it through or not, they are suggesting that the church is not an essential thing. And while some would s- are acting that way that aren't part of the church, 
there are members of the church who I'm afraid act in ways that show that they don't think it's all that important. But when they sow discord, when they do things to discourage the church, they're showing that they don't think the church is all that important as well I think that's in right. their actions. But there's one verse that I think that can help us with understanding this, and that is Acts 20, verse 28. You can look at how important something is by how much value and what it costs. In Acts 20, verse 28, uh, the elders are told, Take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Anyone who wants to say the church is not important has to say that, well, Jesus sort of made a bad decision to purchase that church with his blood because it wasn't all that important. Yeah, that'd be like me, you know, let's say that I could scratch up $1,000 and I bought this antique no. And somebody broke it and said, oh, well, it not doesn't matter. It's not a, it was to me. I paid $1,000 for yeah. it. It was precious. It was yeah. valuable. Well, that that wouldn't even scratch the surface of what we're talking about, the value of the church and what the Lord paid for it. Is it important? It is ultimately important because Jesus purchased it with his own blood. That's how important it is. And so we need to understand what it is and uh, what the scriptures tell us about the church. And that's our focus tonight. We got some emails. Now, we got to see on uh, Facebook, we see Ramona in Texas who's watching on Facebook. Uh, Sandra here in Columbia is watching on Facebook. Uh, we got Philip and Arthur and James in the chat room at the virtualbiblestudy.com. Others that have not signed in, so sign in there and let's hear your comments tonight. We got emails tonight from Kent in Georgia, from Jeff in, where is Jeff from? Jeff is in, in uh, Livingston, Tennessee. Yeah, 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 that's right. Thanks, and then, Jeff. And then Paul out in Washington State sent in. They're coming from all different directions tonight. Um we ask, what's the etymology of the English word church? Etymology sex suggests, what's it derived from? What's yeah. the history of it? How did it, how did it come to be a word? Uh, that's, there are people who study that sort of thing. And they tell us, uh, both Paul and Kent have an interesting uh, insight to this. Um, Paul says, the Middle English word, cirque, from an old English Circe, ultimately from the late Greek Kai, I can't even say it, from the Greek Kyriakos, I'm not saying that right. The meaning is of the Lord, from Kyrios, meaning Lord Master. Uh, the Old English circe was basically mean circle. Places of worship among German and Celtic peoples was always circular. It came to mean a public place of worship, a building for public and especially Christian worship. Actually, that's what the church really means. The in church, English. In English, the word church mean, came from a word meaning a building where people assembled, where they came together to worship. Kent says the English word church in German, Kirk in Scotch, also Kirk, derived from the New Testament Greek term kuriokos. These are archaic terms speak with reference to a church building. The New Testament usage of the term church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, meaning called out assembly. So we need to go back to the Greek and find out what the intent was now, in the word. Yeah. And the, so we've sort of taken that Greek word, and Jeff in his uh, response says the Greek word ekklesia translated as church in most English Bibles simply means assembly. So what they did is they took that Greek word ekklesia and they sort of well, they pigeonholed it. it into this, this English word church. 
Yeah, so they, the translators of our English Bibles kind of confused the situation yeah. because they used a word. They, now, get this, and Jeff is exactly right, uh, and I think Kent mentioned it also, the, the term ecclesia. When we read church in our New Testaments, it's the ecclesia, and it really should not have been translated with the English word church because the English word church comes from a term meaning a, a building. building. And the and the Greek word ecclesia actually means the called out. Okay. Uh, the, the Greek word is composed of a prefix ek, which means out of, and kaleo, which is a verb form, and its verb form means to call, to summon, to invite. So people are called out. Mm-hmm. Ecclesia. Well, what are they called out from? Um, well, let's let's put together a couple pieces of this puzzle. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So he came to save the lost. But he also said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church. Ecclesia. So he came to save the lost. He came to build his church. He came to build his ecclesia. So... Since since those those things are parallel, they must mean the same. The the called out of the world, saved from the sinful world, called out of the sinful world world is what ecclesia means. The called out, They're, we're called out of the sinful world. We're called into a fellowship with the Lord. And Acts chapter two. Uh, verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There's ecclesia. The Lord didn't add to a church building. He no, added yeah. to a group of people that had been called out. They've been called out of sin, called out of the world, called into his fellowship. Uh, so the called out ones, uh, uh, that's that's what the church means, or as uh, Jeff suggested, uh, an assembly, a called together assembly of people. That's what the church. That's what the church is by meaning. It's not. Uh, it seems like it should be a simple point, but I guess we do need to stress it. It is not the building, and uh, the church is not the building. The church is the people. We teach our little kids that principle. It's a necessary thing, and part of the reason why we have to go to that emphasis is because the English translators used a bad word yeah. to translate ecclesia. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 it highlights that uh, that difficulty with the language there, because the Lord is adding to the church. That shows us, and that's ecclesia there, yeah. and that shows us that ecclesia is not a building. It's a group of people. Yeah, and, It wasn't uh, like the Lord was putting another brick in this structure. Every time a person was baptized and saved, he plastered, he, he the plastered wall. another brick on the wall. Yeah. That's that's not the picture there at all. Yeah. He was adding to the church. The church is people. The church is the called out ones. And the Lord was adding those who were called out, those who were saved by virtue of responding to the gospel. They They heard the gospel call. They responded to it. And the Lord added them to the church. Now, Go back a minute to what we were saying earlier. Is the church important? Well, those who are saved are added by the Lord to the church. So it would be important because if you're saved, you're in it. And if you're not in it, you're not saved. That seems very uh, logical there. And uh, so that would be an absolute conclusion you'd have to make is that the church is very important, not only by what it costs to purchase it, 
but by uh, the fact that those who are saved are in it, and so we would want to be in it. All right, we're up against a break. Let's get a break, and we'll uh, okay. continue the discussion on the other side. And we want to include your comments as well. Send them in. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Compassion is difficult to give away because it keeps coming back. By taking revenge of an injury, a man is only even with his enemy. By passing it over, he is superior. No person is too big to be kind and courteous, but many people are too little. Man, wish I'd said that. Quit checking your... Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of You Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to Him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about the church, what it is. Uh, from a biblical view, uh, we wanted to define our terms based upon the way that God defines them in the scriptures. We want to hear from you, 877-381-4567. In the chat room uh, on our website, uh, uh, Philip says the church is a spiritual house and he references first peter 2 beginning verse 4 especially verse 5 he said ye are as lively stones or build up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god by jesus christ and so the church is not a physical building it's a spiritual building and we are the we are what compose it yes and christ is the chief cornerstone and uh so yes certainly uh, that imagery is there uh, but again a spiritual house and he goes on and says the church declares the wisdom of God in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. We'll Talks about that. the eternal purpose of God, which was revealed right. in the church. Right. So, so then the church was part of that eternal purpose. And again, back to the point. It, it's got to be important then. Everybody who has in their mind that it's not significant is just wrong. Yeah. Right. Sorry, but you're just wrong if you think the church is not important. All right, scriptures tell us that. All right, now we asked a follow-up question. What can we learn from the church being identified as the body of Christ? Now let's start out by just looking at a couple of verses that do, in fact, identify the church as the body. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 beginning, God hath put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. So get that. The church is the body. Colossians 1, verse 13. The Father hath delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Then verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The, the church is identified as the kingdom 
but it's also identified as the body. Right now we're emphasizing the idea of the body, the church being the body. Now, what, what would be the implications of the, the church being the body of Christ? Jesus is the head. The church is the body. Well, how many bodies does a head have? Only one. Yeah, there, there's one head, Christ, and and that that would instruct us that there should only be one body. You, you would have well, a grotesque picture if you had this head of Jesus, Jesus being the head, and then there's several thousand different bodies all dangling off of this one head, which which would just be a gross a horror perversion. Movie. Yeah, it would be worse than a horror movie and a terrible perversion of the of the principle that's set forth there by christ being the head we're being the body yeah uh well ephesians 5 23 christ is the head of the church he is the savior of the body yeah ephesians 1 23 reference that uh and those and the passage you reference singular in nature the body the church yeah not uh, the pluralistic view that we have today in fact linked ephesians 1 verse 23 the church is his body with ephesians same same epistle Ephesians 4, verse 4, there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. Notice, the church is the body. There's just one body. So how many churches are there? Well, there's just one true church. Those who are saved, who are called out, uh, the, the, the called out assembly, those who are saved, who've heard the gospel and, and been obedient to it, have been called out. The Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved. The, Lord does, the Lord's not out here adding people to a variety of different religious denominations. The Lord is adding truly saved people to the, to the one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is his body. Tying that idea of baptism and being part of the body together, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 for by one spirit we are all are all baptized into one body. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, Acts 2.47. And part of that being saved is being baptized, and that puts you into the body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Okay. Sandra in Columbia says on Facebook, I'm a member of the Church of Christ, which was built by Christ. He only built one, and he has only one body. I think that's true. One of the things we didn't comment, we, we referenced uh, Matthew 16, verse 18 earlier, where Jesus said, I will build my church, singular. He didn't He didn't intend to build a, a multiplicity. He didn't even intend to build two. He, in, he came to build one church. Yep. He has one body, which is the church. And so uh, the, the implications we ask, what can we learn from the church being the body? The simplest thing of all is... That there can only be one. If it, if the church is in fact his body, as the scripture plainly teaches, then that would necessarily mean there's only one true church, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now that's not politically correct, uh, because in the religious world today, we, the people think that there are many churches, and most people think one's as good as another, and you can choose the one that suits you most of all. But, uh, that's not the picture that we see in the scripture. And uh, another view then that we see in First Corinthians chapter twelve is that if it's a body, then there's going to be different members of that body, and those members have to be working together to the overall good of the body. Exactly right. And uh, that's something we need to understand as well. So again, we would we would stress that no one can say 
that the the church is unimportant when we read the descriptions of it that are given uh, in in the Word of God. Jeff in his email says, "There's one body, Ephesians four verse four, but Christ is the Savior of the body, Ephesians five twenty two. Thus, Christ is the Savior of one body." And he says Christ is the Savior of one body, but the body is the church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, Colossians 1, 18 and 24. Thus Christ is the Savior of the one church. Uh, so excellent comments there tonight, Jeff. Thank you for that. And Paul from Mich- from Washington says, This image, image beautifully illustrates how Christians as members of the body are joined to Christ and follow him as their head, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, and are also joined to each other in unity, being interdependent on one another while benefiting from the diversity of gifts and functions of the various members. He references 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25. The body is a unit, though made up of many parts. Members of the body are joined to Christ in salvation and also share a common bond with all other Christians regardless of background or ability. Thank you, Paul, for those comments. And then Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says the term body indicates a living organism. Made up of a head and members. The term is used with reference to the New Testament church, indicating a saved relationship of all individuals that are in Christ, Ephesians 5.23. Obedience to the gospel of Christ brings one into this relationship. He references 1 Corinthians 12.13. Such a, a relationship is not a denomination, nor a composition of denominations, such as a spiritual relationship of saved individuals in a non-denominational, undenominational, anti-denominational setting. Okay, I think that's exactly yeah, right. That Kent. body has to be unified. Uh, can't we can't be doing different things. We can't be going yeah. one direction while the another group is going a different direction. We've got to be unified. Exactly right. So I think those are all good comments. Uh, again, if what we're doing there is taking the biblical description of the church way different than what people think. People often identify church with a building. It's definitely not a building. People often uh, suggest that the church is unimportant. It's very important. If you're saved, you're in it because the Lord adds you when you are truly saved. Uh, and and there and there's just one. There's, there's just one. There's, there can't be more than one. So all of that is really important in understanding what the church really is. Again, it's not politically correct to say there's just one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There, the, the, but that's what the Bible says. And by the way, Jacob, we should stress that the 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 church is not made up of denominational groups. Yes, can't reference that, uh, yeah. that. But rather, it's made up of individuals. Yeah. A lot of people say, "Oh, yeah, there's one church, and the Methodist Church makes up part of it, and the Baptist Church makes Cri- up part the of it. umbrella of Christendom." Uh, 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 yeah, the Presbyterian Church makes up part of it. And the Catholic Church, they got a big chunk over here under the Catholic Church. That's not the picture of the one body. The one body is of individual Christians who have come, been called out of the world. All right. And so we want to talk about, and we're almost uh, time time for a break here, but we want to talk about how the word is used in the sense in which it comprises all saved believers, and then how the word church is also used to talk about Christians within a local group. Yeah, because you're you're starting to confuse me now because, well, not I mean, but you could be confusing me because you talked about the fact there's one church, but I know of lots <coughs> of different churches and they all seem to be doing the same thing and uh, they seem to uh, have it be in harmony with the scriptures. How can there be many when you said there's just one? We're going to talk about that on the other side of break. We'll get this week's bullet point, get your comments, 
when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Do you understand quantum physics? Do you even know what it is? Most of us do not. Now imagine that you have the task of explaining it to someone else. Impossible. How can you hope to explain what you do not understand yourself? We hope this illustrates a point we want to make about the Bible. The majority of people in the world mistakenly view the Bible as a confusing and difficult book. Sadly, too many Christians are unable to help resolve this problem because they simply cannot explain what they have never understood themselves. They don't know God's truth well enough to be able to explain it to others. The Bible can be understood. Read Ephesians 3, verses 2 through 5. In fact, we're commanded to understand it. Ephesians 5, verse 17. If we imagine that the Bible is too hard to understand, we are actually casting a charge against God. We are maintaining that he was unable to produce a revelation that the average man or woman can grasp. Not true. The real problem here is a lack of dedication and a failure to work diligently. Often we find folks, even Christians, who can talk knowledgeably about a wide variety of subjects. They recite technical and intricate details about a host of topics, yet these same people claim that the Bible cannot be comprehended. Nonsense. With even a fraction of the same effort they have put into understanding computers, cars, sporting events, and political matters, they would have become expert in their knowledge of God's Word. If they invested one-tenth of the time they waste watching television, they would understand even the most complicated themes of the Bible. It's true that you can't explain what you do not know. However, let us never use this excuse concerning the Bible. If we don't know, it's our fault. We need to get busy studying. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you've never been there, take a minute and check it out. Lots of good information there. We want to hear from you. If you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear on the program, or maybe you've got a question that you'd like answered, questions at collegeview.com. We can answer that on this program, or we can answer you privately. We'd love to have a discussion with you. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. We're talking about the church uh, today, tonight on the program, what it is, what it really is, according to the Scriptures. We asked the question, explain how the word church is used in both the universal and a local sense. Yeah, that could be somewhat of a confusing idea, but the scriptures are clear. Yeah. So the universal church, when we talk about the church, using that term, ecclesia, the called out ones, we talk about it sometimes when it, when it suggests the idea of all the saved who have been called out. Uh, like when Jesus used the word in, Mark, in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church. He, again, singular in nature uh, and comprised of all Christians. The Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Now, uh, again, to be a part of that church, you don't join that church. Sometimes we use the expression, join, I want to join the church. You don't join that church, the universal church. The Lord adds you to that church himself when you do the things that he has placed as conditions upon salvation and once you have obeyed the gospel and been saved from sin the lord adds you to the church Uh, 
he keeps he keeps that role. He keeps that membership going. Uh, the Lord knows who are truly his. Hebrews 12, verse 23 suggests uh, it consists of all the saved people everywhere. And again, we would argue you have to be in that church to be saved. Ephesians 5.23 says the Lord is the Savior of the body. Ephesians 5.23 says, so if he's the Savior of the body, I want to be in the body because if I'm not in the body, then he's not my Savior. Uh, We could talk about it that way. Now, when we think about this universal church, there's not any earthly organization for it. You say that because you can't read about anything yeah. in the Bible. That says we know so. that Jesus is the head. Yep. But beyond that, we don't read about any organizational structure for this universal church. Uh, we don't talk. We don't hear about, uh, you know, archbishops and popes and all Synods. of that sort of, or, or, you know, the various heads. You know, some some denominations have. Their presidents of their assemblies and so forth. There's no such organization for the universal church. It's just simply, you just simply don't read about it in the scriptures. Now, if you wanted to do that, you'd have to do that without scriptural authority. How's that going to look? Is it going to be a president? Is it going to be an archbishop? Is it going to be well, a king? What, what's it going to be? You'd have what would to, we call him? We'd have to make it up. You have to make it all up. And so to make sure that we're doing the right thing, we just say, we're not going to do that because we have no authority for it. Um, I think that's exactly right. So, you know, again, get the points. Uh, there, there, this is a, this is the terminology when it's being used to describe all the saved. And in fact, kind of an interesting point: uh, even death doesn't change our association in this assembly. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning verse 22, ye are coming to the Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So the Hebrew writer would suggest that uh, if, if you're in it, you're in it, and and you, and you will be... Uh, as long as you remain faithful in this life and in the life beyond, you will remain a part of that assembly, that called out assembly of God's people. All right. 877-381-4567. Send your comments in the chat room tonight. Now, as it's gotten quiet in the chat room. Now, what you suggested as a possible confusing thing yes. is that sometimes we read about the church in a, being used in the sense of a local assembly. Right. Let me give you a couple examples of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul you know, always had words of greeting in his epistles, and he, he addresses uh, this letter we call 1 Corinthians. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. So notice, here's the church of God, a church meeting in Corinth, the church of God in Corinth. And so it identifies a local assembly. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1, um, it says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, we read about the church meeting in localities. Yeah. Now, concerning these, 
There are lots of them. Well, you know, you mentioned that the Lord was going to build his church singular. He's head of the body, the church singular. You mentioned two there, different churches in in a passage that Jeff mentioned in his email. Romans 16, verse 16 says, The church is of Christ. Greet you. Well, Jesus said he was going to build his church. How could there be churches of Christ that are greeting? And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul addresses this epistle to the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Churches, plural. plural. So here, the reason why we can talk about these in using a, a plural concept is because there are a lot of local congregations, people, Christians coming together in local communities to work and worship together. They comprise the churches on a local level, and there's a plurality of these, and the scriptures use to describe these local churches. All right, so there is one universal church that people are added to automatically when they're saved, but there are local churches that people identify themselves with, that join themselves to that area. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26, Paul says an example of that. When he has come to Jerusalem, he has said to join himself to the disciples. And so we uh, associate ourselves with other believers in a local congregation. Exactly right. And now, when we were talking about the universal church, it began on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the gospel was first preached. But a local church could begin at any time. There, in fact, there was only one local church that first day, the right. church in Jerusalem. But thereafter, and continuing even to our day, new congregations sprout up, or maybe some go out of existence when when saints stop assembling in a given place, or when they start a new assembling in a given place. A church, a local church, can have a different starting date because of the nature of it and the and and the word is used in that way all right now you mentioned that there's no organization of the universal church no earthly organization how are those congregations organized is there no organization in the local congregation well there is there actually is organization in the local church uh, local churches are overseen by elders and they're served by deacons a good place to see that is in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Mm-hmm. And so local churches have elders that oversee them. We've studied in the past on the virtual Bible study about elders, about the special qualifications they must meet before they can be appointed to that office. But they are given the charge of overseeing the flock of God, which is among them. In First Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 2, Peter says, Feed the flock, talking to the elders, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And so local churches are overseen by elders who are qualified and appointed to that task. And so there is an organization of local churches. Now, that's the extent of the organization. Local churches are not organized beyond the organization that takes place at the local level. You don't have a church here and a church there, and then they are somehow organically tied by virtue of some regional or or diocese oversight. Uh, Local churches are independent and autonomous. Uh, The organization is is limited to the local church level. There's no other organization greater than the local church on earth. As we referenced earlier 
uh, in uh, the program in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, feed the flock. Uh, 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 feed the flock, the church of God. Take seat to all the flock over which He hath made you overseers. And in First Peter chapter five, verse uh, two, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. They were the elders were to shepherd the flock, their local flock, and that flock and no more. Yeah, and, and another difference, Jacob. Remember, we said you can't join. The universal church, the Lord adds you to the universal church. But concerning a local assembly, you would choose to join it. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But, but, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and so on and so on. So Paul made the effort to join himself to a local. You can't join the universal church, but you can join. In fact, you're supposed to join yourself to a local assembly. So there's quite a number of differences in the way these words are used. When you contrast the universal church and the local church. All right. Along those lines, uh, Kent has responded from Georgia. He says, regarding the New Testament church, the term is both universal and local, has both universal and local extensions. The universal extension of the church is a saved relationship in Christ based upon one's faith in Christ. First John, I mean, sorry, John chapter 1, verse 12. Repentance of sin, confession of Christ, and being baptized for and unto the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. This relationship has no organization other than saved individuals which Christ at, with Christ as its head. It has no times of assembly, no meeting place, no general overseeing eldership, and no collective function. One is added to this extension of the church when one is scripturally baptized, Acts 2, verse 47, and 1 Corinthians 12, verse, 20, uh, verse 13, as we mentioned, baptized into that one body. So he says the universal church is uh, has no uh, organization, no meeting, no uh, meeting place, no overseeing eldership. Then he talks about the local uh, extension of the church is a collective functioning unit of individual Christian that involves a local scriptural government, a local collective treasury. Uh, we didn't mention that one yet. A time and place of assemblies and worship, local discipline. It is a collective unit that has collective function that works in areas of evangelism, edification, and benevolence. Whereas one is baptized into the universal extension of the church, for 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 again, one individually identifies with the local extension of the church by consent and agreement with other Christians who comprise such a local church. He references the passage you just did in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. There is no collective organization or function of the New Testament church other than the local extension of such. Any attempt to activate the universal extension of the church is unauthorized and sinful. That's an important point that he makes there. Authorizing the trying to authorize the universal church to function as a as a unit is unauthorized and sinful because we don't have that in the New the Testament. The only operating unit of the Lord's church is the local congregation. Yeah, exactly right. Very good point. All right. And Paul from Washington says, when Jesus promised upon this rock, I will build my church, he referred to all who are in Christ worldwide as the called out assembly or ecclesia. This is the meaning of church in passages like Matthew sixteen eighteen, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 and Colossians 1, verse 18. The local church is a group of Christians who meet and serve the Lord together as a, in a regular place as the church in Jerusalem or Antioch, Acts 11, 23 and 26, or Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, 
This helps us understand why there is one body, Ephesians 4, verse 4, but there are plural churches of Christ, Romans 16, verse 16, churches of Galatia or churches of Judea, Galatians chapter 1, verse 2, and 1, verse 22. Thank you for that comment tonight, Paul. All right, so I think those are all good comments talking about how the how the church is used in two senses. And you just got to be kind of perceptive and, and let the context bear out. How's this church, how's this ecclesia being used in a given context? Is it talking about the, the universal church of which there is only one? It's yep. the one body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Or is it being used in the sense of a local church of which there are many, have been many? There, there are different ones uh, in a period of time, there may be different ones in different areas. The church used in a local sense. All right. We're going to get a break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. We have to ask the question that if there's just one true church, how do I identify that church? Because I want to be a part of it. And how do I know that I'm a part of that one true church that Christ purchased with his blood? We'll get those comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight, or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A Duke University study indicated that there were 19 million more Americans with no religious affiliation in 2016 than there were in 2007, now totaling 56 million people. This is a higher number than any single religious group in America. The study also shows that fewer than half of all young adults between 18 and 30 are sure that God exists. That information is via Time magazine. The Word of God says in Psalm 14, verse 1, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight, uh, talking about the church, going to the top of the hour. And I think, uh, I hope our listeners would understand tonight that what we're trying to present here is a scriptural view of the church. There's a lot of misconception Exactly. But we're trying to just go to the scriptures and find out what the scriptures teach about what the church is, how do I become a member of it, and how is it organized. All right, I think that's exactly right. Got a comment. We got some comments there, Jacob. Oh, yeah, the room yeah. from, uh, the guest, the, the, comment, the, the chat room was dead quiet, but now it's uh, opened up here. Uh, guest 40, 492 says, A genuine church will preach the pure gospel of justification by faith alone in Christ alone, apart from man's sinful 
so-called good works. That church will emphasize man's inability to work their way toward God or to preserve them, persevere themselves before God apart from God's grace. Well, I think we'd have some difference with that comment, Jacob. We would, and in our archives, there are programs that deal with all of those topics, and we can deal with them again in the future. But let's just say it this way, that we will agree with the first phrase there. A genuine church will preach the pure gospel. And, and we believe in justification by faith, but yep. but we yep. would differ with the faith alone. Faith must be put into action. Yes. Uh, and we do not believe the Bible teaches security of the believer. It's a conditional salvation. All right. Guess 492 goes on. A genuine church has members who are growing in, justi- in sanctification by God's working and God's grace. That church recognizes that Jesus said all men would know we are his disciples by our love for one another. They understand it is not because outsiders are furiously reading the Bible to see whether a church has the correct stance on any number of our intramural debates. Well, uh, we have to obviously love each other, but if we're not following uh, the, the pattern that has been given, if we're not doctrinally pure, then uh, those who are outside will not. Uh, know that we are followers of Christ. If we're not following Christ, how will, how could they know that we're his disciples? A genuine church recognizes that serving the poor is important and that Jesus did so from his treasury, but they do not err by worshiping at the altar of social justice. A genuine church recognizes that, uh, has not been granted political, it has not been granted political power. Instead, the world will hate and persecute your church. That proclaims a gospel calling men to repentance rather than accommodating sin, whether inside or outside of the church. We could agree with that. Amen yeah. to that. There's several things there that we, we could get off on. We don't have time to do it tonight, but we have in the past. Talk, some of the notions dis- suggested there uh, are in a, a, a catechism positions that were taught by John Calvin, sometimes identified as Calvinism. We have talked about that in the past on the Virtual Bible Study, and we'll do it again in the future. Yep. But we thank you, guests, 492. And if you'd like to be a part of that discussion, we'd welcome you to join us yeah. on that. Just send us an email if you'd be willing to uh, to uh, engage in a discussion with us on that uh, on that topic, just a, a Bible study where we would uh, talk together friendly. Either we do that on this program or we do it separate. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, questions at collegeu.com. Real quickly, we've got to go to our last question. How, we, how would we identify the true church in the midst of so many conflicting religious organizations in the world today? Just from a very common sense or practical point of view, how could all the different churches be right when they are diametrically opposed to one another in the doctrines they teach and practice? Yeah. That would make God the author of confusion. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, this text says that God is not the author of confusion. God has not authorized church, different churches to do different things. And so we need to be looking for the one true church. We've already described the fact that there really is only one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There, there are various congregations of these called out people that meet in localities. But in regards to the one church that the Lord adds all the saved to, there's only one. How would we know what it is in the world today? Well, first of all, I'm going to, we're going to have to go kind of rapid fire here, but I'm going to suggest several things you've got to look for. One thing is the church, in order to be the true church, it has to date its history all the way back to the day of Pentecost as recorded in Acts chapter 2. If the church you're a member of professes its starting date any time later than that, it's too late. Because the Lord was adding to the church daily, such as should be saved, in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. That's 
on the day of Pentecost. In Matthew 16, 18, and 19, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. There he used church and kingdom interchangeably. The kingdom of Christ is the church of Christ. <clears throat> Those are synonymous terms. That church was established in the first century. We could go into some more lengthy argumentation of it, but I simply submit to you Colossians 1, verses 12 and 13, giving thanks unto the Father who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Past tense. Christians in the first century were already in the kingdom. They were in the church. So the church was established on the day of Pentecost, as we read in Acts 2. And so you got to look for that. And, and, and if you're a part of any religious organization that, that professes its starting date at any time later than the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, it's too late. Now, again, remember, we're talking about in the universal sense. Someone said, well, the church there at College View dates back into the 1970s. That's way too late. Well, no. As a local congregation, that's fine. We can have a starting date for a local congregation later than Acts two, but as to the church that we're the the church that we're a part of, the universal body of Christ, has got to have its starting date back there. Acts two. All right. Send in your comments. We've got a little bit more time to take your comments tonight. Worship. If if you're looking for this one true church, it's got to have scriptural worship. It's right. got to worship the way the Lord taught. Uh, John 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And everyone would say there's some things you shouldn't do in worship. Well, how are you going to determine what that where that line is unless you go to the scriptures? Yeah, that's really interesting because some people think, well, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. That, But everybody would draw a line somewhere and say you can't do that. If I said, for instance, I, let's use pizza and Pepsi-Cola for the Lord's Supper. Most people, not all, I've, I've had some people say, that'd be fine with me, but most people would say, no, no, you can't do that. You yeah. can't do that. So what they're saying, if there's anything that you wouldn't allow in worship, then you are acknowledging that there must be some basis for scriptural worship, and the only basis we can really get is to go all the way back to the scripture. Otherwise, it's just your man-made uh, decision and, and, and rule there, but we have to go to the scriptures for that, uh, for that, so that we're following what the biblical pattern is. So... Established in the first century, scriptural in worship, congregational in organization. We, we talked a minute ago about the fact that the true church of our Lord is organized only at the local congregational level uh, with elders in every church, Acts 14, verse 23. Those elders limited in oversight to the flock, which is among them, 1 Peter 5, verse 2. So there's no hierarchy of church organization. There's no um, regional national, worldwide organization of the one true church of our Lord Jesus Christ exists. So if you're a member of a church that has an an organization that exceeds the local church level, and almost all denominations do, not all, but almost all do, then that's a violation of New Testament pattern, and that should be a huge red flag to you that, that you're not a part of the true church of our Lord Jesus Christ because it has no organization beyond the local church level. All right. Uh, if you want to be a part of a New Testament church, you've got to do the things the New Testament instructs and authorizes. I would argue that if it's going to be the right church, it at least has to have a right name. Uh, now, we're not saying that there's only one name that the church identifies the church by. It's identified by several different names. For instance, uh, um in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, it's called the Church of God, which is at Corinth. 
In Romans 16, verse 16, it mentions the churches of Christ. Um, other descriptions are used, church of the firstborn and so forth, several different names. Any of those names would be acceptable, but it can't be Baptist church. Lutheran church. Lutheran church. Presbyterian church. Those are not biblical uh, names. And in First Peter 4, verse 11, it tells us if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We, we better be calling it by a Bible name. That's a simple point, but I think a necessary point. Yep. Right? Um, the terms of entrance to this church are, are described in the New Testament. The simple plan of salvation is hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. And Acts 2.47 says, when you do that, the Lord will add you to the church. But the terms of admission are there in the New Testament. And and that doesn't allow for men to set up rules that you have to meet in order to be a part of their church. The Lord adds you to the church when you comply with the simple conditions set forth in the New Testament. All right. Again, the church is singular in number. If you're trying to identify the true church, you've got to find one that's singular in number. Matthew sixteen eighteen, I will build my church, Jesus said. The church is his body, Ephesians one, twenty two and twenty three, the body and the, and there is just one body, Ephesians four, verse four. Uh and then we also should point out, Jacob, that um this one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not denominational. It's not divided up into different groups. The word denomination itself means division. A denominator is that which divides. A denomination is a division of the whole. Uh, everybody, I think everybody ought to be able to realize that the very, the very nomenclature of religious denominationalism is opposed to the, to the scriptures and is opposed to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ who prayed in John 17 verses 20 and 21 that all disciples would be one be united uh denomination uh, the one true church of our lord is undenominational and you got to be looking for that um the the church you you're seeking for has to follow a specific agenda of work uh it needs to preach and teach the truth it needs to support and encourage christians it needs to provide necessary benevolence to saints uh but we see the religions of men involved in all sorts of things that are not authorized in Scripture. Make sure the church that you're seeking is doing the work that God gave the church to do. And then finally, we would just stress again, it is necessary for salvation. As you started out our discussion tonight, Jacob, in Acts 20, verse 28, the church was purchased with his own blood. And, and anybody who would suggest that it is unimportant uh, simply is missing the boat. And those uh, comments echo what uh, our listeners have supplied. James in the chat, chat, chat room says, We identify the true church by seeing people acting in approved roles, Ephesians 4.11, doing approved work, Ephesians 4.12, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, growing to become more like the head, Ephesians 4.13, not doing certain things, Ephesians 4, verse 14, referencing they're tossed about by other doctrines, and how we treat each other, Ephesians 4.15, in truth and love. Uh, thank you for that, James. Paul says, 
The true church can be identified by matching its characteristics revealed in the New Testament with any church claiming to be of Christ today. Since there are many kinds of cars to identify my own, I must find the right make, model, color, and even VIN number to make sure it's really my own. But by doing so, we could identify our, each identify our own in a huge lot of cars. We can find the Lord's church today by identifying his divine origin, Ephesians 3, 10, and 11, published Acts 2, divine organizations, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, Acts chapter 20, 17 through, 19, through, 8, through, through 28, scriptural worship, and Acts 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, Ephesians 5, 19, Acts 2, verse 42, scriptural name or description, Mark 16, 18, 16, Colossians 1, verse 13, plan of salvation and its function and work, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Thank you, Paul, for your comments tonight. And Kent says, one identifies the Lord's church... Uh, by means of identifying those who have obeyed from the heart the gospel of Christ, Romans 6, verses 17 and 18, and who follow that collective aspect of the New Testament pattern in all things, Colossians 3, verse 17, 2 John 9, verse, uh, 2 John 9 through 11. While a religious group must refer to themselves with a scriptural designation, that is not the only characteristic of scriptural identity. They must also follow New Testament teaching in all areas, Respecting the New Testament pattern in all things. Thank you for those comments, Kent. Uh, all right, busy we, discussion tonight. We're out of time, but I think this is a, a, I think this is clearly a point that we take for granted, but a point badly misunderstood in the religious world today. Kyle, thank you for being a part of the program tonight, although we have not uh, gotten comments from you. It was good. It was a good program. Thank you for having me. Thank again. you. And, uh, Dad, uh, a good discussion. And again, we welcome our listeners to comment us com- or contact us if they have questions or disagreements and, with and what, our what discussion said. tonight was was sort of in response to a, an email we received where someone yeah. was just wondering what is yeah. the church really so we yeah. tried to deal with it and don in the chat room has had some disagreements don if you'd like to contact us we'd love to hear from you and have further discussions thanks jacob and uh, thank you for joining us hope you benefited from our study and discussion of god's word hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word of the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.